Hello and welcome to another edition of the e-commerce Odyssey podcast. I'm here with Harry Draypush from Amware Fulfillment, and we're going to talk about all things e-commerce fulfillment. So first off, welcome, Harry. Um, but here works like kind of fulfillment house in 3PL. What, what, do you, what is generally meant by that? What do we mean by that? Uh, well, we, we, we can do everything that you can do, uh, but we can do it more efficiently. We can do it faster. Uh, we can do it at a lower cost. Uh, and we can handle volume fluctuations, your business fluctuations much, much better than you can, because first off, companies like mine employ 800 to 1,000 people. Uh, we have multiple customers in a warehouse. They're not all busy at the same time. So we're able to cross train people. So when volume goes up, we can move people accordingly. And when volume drops down, uh, we can make the changes that are necessary to do that. So we can really, really operate a very, very efficient uh, warehouse. And we can do all the customization that you're capable of doing. The only thing that we need you to do really is sit down with us and tell us exactly what you want to do. It's like building a house. You may not be able to build a house, but you can certainly sit down with a builder and tell them what you want, right? Same with me. Uh, you can sit down with me, tell me exactly how you want your packages, how you want your product packaged, what kind of care you want put in there, um, you know, how late you want to take orders and uh, how you want to get them uh, finally to your customer. So, you know, everything that you can do, we can do on a much, much broader scale and much, much more efficiently. So a three, so a fulfillment house or would, would do, would take over the entire um, kind of fulfillment operations of an online retailer. That's correct. We would do so everything. Everything taking in orders, it. sending out shipments, doing everything. So well, the, what kind of what kind of merchants does this work best for? Uh well, it you know, it works best really for uh, for for all merchants. Uh, we have we have 250 customers uh and we have customers that range from having 50 uh, 50 SKU items uh to customers having 2500 SKU items. We happen to focus on a lot of nutraceuticals. Uh, lotions and potions, we like to call it, health and beauty. Uh, we do some food. Um, we do some over-the-counter medicines. So really, it's a wide breadth of products. Okay. So, but if you've got a, I mean, I, I run an e-commerce business. We get a lot of deliveries in all, in all the time. The documentation we get from suppliers is not always that great. We might get the same supplier. There are different suppliers will do the same courier. And multiple boxes will turn up at the same time. Um how do you deal with that kind of thing and get it all right? So we deal with everything, uh, obviously, as it comes across the transom. Um, we're going to be alerted as to what's coming in. It doesn't always it doesn't always fit what uh, what they say they would. Obviously, a lot of shipments from Asia uh, quality and some of those manufacturers are not really good. So we have to go through the product. Uh, we actually have to sort it no different than you would if it was coming into your own business. Our associates are trained what to look for to go through the product to make sure it matches up what the what the manufacturer or shipper says we're getting. And when there's a variance, uh, nine out of ten times we know how to handle that. We've uh, we've worked that through uh, with our customer. But on those occasions where it's not, it's a phone call, it's a video. Hey, this product came in in this way. Uh, you get to look at it from afar, but it's exactly as it would be if you were there, uh, as though we were your back room. Uh, and, uh, you know, we would adjudicate it at that point, do the right thing, return it to the manufacturer, receive it in, make a note of exception so that you don't pay for goods you didn't receive or pay for the wrong goods. It's really no different than if it was your own back room that you could walk walk back into. 
But presumably, I mean, does it work? I mean, my feeling with with fulfillment houses is that it works better. You know, if you've got a like a, a company which has a smaller number of SKUs and larger, less frequent deliveries, is that? Uh, I, I would I would tell you that uh, third parties work just the opposite. The larger the SKUs, the more complex. The larger the volume, uh, the more efficiencies that we gain. Um, that's that's when it works. Now, for small, if you're small, you're going to have a hard time justifying. You know, you do you do a thousand shipments a month, right? You you do maybe 40, 40 shipments a day. Yes, it's going to be very very hard to kind of cost justify that. It's kind of like having a dinner party at your house. You have four to six guests. Do you want to cater that, or you want to cook that on yourself? Now you're having an affair where you're going to invite a hundred, two hundred, three hundred people. You're not going to cook that for yourself. You're not going to have your family spending time cooking. You're going to go out to a professional caterer who handles large volume. 3PLs are the same way. We're geared to handle large, large volumes of goods because we can do it very, very efficiently. We have buying power, for instance, on the parcel side of the business. I spend $120 million a year with the parcel carriers here, UPS, FedEx, DHL, $120 million. I don't have a customer that even comes close to that. So my buying power, my sitting down with uh, the carriers, I have much better buying power. I get much better rates and I'm able to pass those along and share that with my customers. So the 250 customers I have have the collective buying power as though they were doing $120 million with a parcel carrier. That, that That's pretty powerful. So what kind of mistakes do people do you see people make with fulfillment? Uh, when they do it internally? Um, well, there's lots of mistakes they can make. If they're doing it internally, uh, they can either underbuild, they, they, they're building it for today's volume and then they run promotions, they have specials or a product or a sale gets very hot and then they can't fulfill it same day, next day. Sometimes it might take them because they get overwhelmed with volume. It might take them a week, 10 days. I mean, how many customers want to wait, wait a week or 10 days, not for the shipment, but for the product to actually get out of your warehouse. So you have the, uh, on one hand, you can underbuild, uh, you know, scalability is the issue. You can underscale. And then on the other hand, you can overscale. You're spending a lot of money on empty space. You get a warehouse that's two, three times bigger than you really need. You're paying rent for, for space you don't use. You might be racking it. You might have to pay for, for um, material handling equipment. Where so you can overbuild or underbuild. Those are two very, very common mistakes. And so the question is, well, how do I get it right with a 3PL? Well, with us, it's all variable because our warehouses are anywhere from 100 to 400,000 square feet. Your business can go up and down and we have the room to accommodate it. And you only pay for what you use. It's a variable cost model. Okay. So well, we, obviously, you know, Amazon has told us all that we need to expect better fulfillment these days. What, what do you think? What kind of fulfillment are people expecting these days? Well, if you go to Amazon, uh, you can expect uh, you can expect your product to come in a brown box with a smile on the outside of the box. Your name won't be anywhere near there. Uh, you may drive volume and you're in the uh, Amazon marketplace. Uh, but what, what you can expect from fulfillment these days is really the latest technology um, which uh, really aids in inventory accuracy, which aids in speed, which keeps costs down. We use robotics. We use things like pick to light in the warehouse to, to help our, uh, our warehouse people be more efficient, be more accurate, be faster. 
Um, we have uh, we have voice picking as well, in which uh, uh, it's multi language, so that when we bring new people on, they they have a headset on that directs them exactly what to do. It's not that they don't have to think. They just don't have to calculate, if you will, right? They're being instructed on what to do, where to go, uh, and and you should expect that you you should expect to have efficiencies to pay lower costs than you probably would internally. You should expect to have uh, better rates uh, on the shipping side of the business. You should expect that that for the most part, if you're dealing with the right third party provider, uh, orders that come in by one, two, or three o'clock are going to get processed and they're going to get put out the door. I mean, the one good thing that Amazon has done for all of us is they've raised the bar. They've raised the bars, even though I'm not a competitor to Amazon. The customers who deal with me, it's a very, very different experience than dealing with Amazon. As I said, with Amazon, you're getting that smile outside the box, a brown box. Your brand is not anywhere going to be seen until the, the box is open. And then there's not going to be a lot of fancy packaging. In fact, you know, there's going to be a lot of air. You can shake the box and you can hear it. When you deal with me, you're going to get, you're going to have the ability to provide a custom package, a beautiful box with your name on it, packaged as though someone cared about it. So when you're coming, oh, wow, experience, this is amazing. You know, this was worth me paying for. This was worth me waiting to get it. It's a, it's a customized package. We'll drop in a note with your name, Trevor. Thanks for your order. I uh, hope you enjoy it. If there's any questions, you know, call us at this number and we hope to see you soon again on a reorder. Um, we put the smile outside the box. That's the difference between us and an Amazon. Right. So how do people combine, because people are omnichannel these days, how do they combine a fulfillment house like, like yours with using Amazon fulfillment and Walmart fulfillment? Uh, very, very simply, um, you know, they can, they, they different, they can differentiate their product slightly so that there are certain products they'll sell through Amazon so that they get some brand recognition, right? So maybe they have 200 SKUs, they sell 30 of them through Amazon. They sell the balance of them, not through Amazon. You can use Amazon and Walmart for certain parts of the country. I only want to do California via Amazon. I'm going to do the balance of the country with another 3PL. So you can slice it and dice it any way that works very, very well for you. Um, again, you'll drive volume through the Amazon and Walmart marketplace, but you won't drive margin through there. My customers all tell me if they have to sell through that through that channel, uh, they're going to sell it at reduced margins because, you know, they're vying for the box, a lot of competition, a lot of that is bought on price. When they sell it on their own website and we handle it, they can command the premium for doing that. Okay. So what are the advantages? Okay, so I think you've gone through this already, but if you could just outline the advantages of using uh, 3PL okay. um, from your point of view. You're going to have a much, much lower risk uh, in your investment. First of all, you're going to have a much, much lower investment. You're not going to have to rent the warehouse. You're not going to have to buy equipment, racking, material handling equipment. You're not going to have to buy a warehouse management system. Uh, you're going to get better rates uh, 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 for shipping than you would uh, on your own. Um, so you have a whole reduced risk. Uh, you set the service standards when you go to a third party. So you can say, I want all my orders that you receive by two o'clock shipped same day. Uh, you're going to get a customizable solution. Uh, that's that's what you get with third party. And and again, you don't have associates uh, working on your account full time. So when you have people that you have to hire in this in, in this environment, my largest cost is people. It makes up about fifty five percent of uh, my warehouse cost is labor. What do you do if you're if if you have ten people working for you? What do you do when you get slow? You lay them off. 
you lay them off, they may not come back for you. You've got to retrain people. You get the cost of having to retrain people. You have to deal with things like injuries, workers' comp, benefits, all of those things you don't have to deal with. You don't have a risk with that. With me, you pay by the drink. I'm going to tell you how much it costs to pick, pack an order, and that's going to be your rate. And that's going to be your rate whether you give me a thousand, ten thousand, or a hundred thousand. And we might even have rate breaks for you, so that the more you ship, you get a little bit of a rate break. You don't have to worry about handling the people, about them coming back, about training them. So there's a lot of risk today internally. And do you really want to? You know, it's not just about having those uh, those elements. It's about hiring people to manage that. Now you need a whole human resources department to manage your labor. Is it one, two, three people? I mean, again, these are all the investments that you would have to make when you make it internally that you don't when it's externally. It's like going out to dinner. You don't have to worry about the pots and pans. You don't have to worry about cleaning. You don't have to worry about how many dishes to buy. You go out to a restaurant, you pay for the meal. It's no different with third party. And I would tell you that uh, when I go out for a meal and I don't like what I've gotten, I'm going to be vocal about it. If uh, if I do it in house and my wife makes dinner and I'm not <laughs> that happy, I'm still going to smile and say I love it, baby. Right. Okay. It's a good analogy. I like that. Okay. What are the disadvantages of using a three PL? Um, the disadvantages: some people there's a perceived loss of control. Right. I'm not doing it. I'm working through another party to do it. Um, that's really the only disadvantage that I see in working with three PL now. There's integration, right? So you're going to have to do some integration to our software. Not very difficult. We, you know, we're set up to transition customers and hold their hands. And we've got people that do nothing but onboard customers and tell you what it is you need to do, help you do it, find resources if you can't do it. So I, I would tell you there's a, you know, again, it's a perceived loss of control, but I'm going to go back to my restaurant. You can go into a restaurant. You tell them exactly how you want your steak cooked, how you want how you want your you know, side dishes cooked. If they don't do it, you send it back. You don't pay for it. Um, so really, the loss of control is more perception. It's really not. Um, and I would say that you know honestly that uh, you know that uh, you don't need the infrastructure to manage a three PL than you need it inside. So there's not many disadvantages. But if you deal with the wrong three PL. Yes, then it can be very, very difficult. So um, you have to get smart about who you pick, and then you have to sit down and know how to structure an agreement so that it's a win-win. It works for both parties, uh, and you can move forward focusing on the business as opposed to focusing on on managing your third-party provider, which if you have to manage your third-party provider, it's like calling an electrician to your house, and you're telling them how to fix the problem. If you have to do that, you have the wrong electrician. If you have to manage your third party, if you cannot sit down with them and just go through the strategy of here, here's where I want to take my business. Here's where it is today. You know, I need to know what are the things I need to do to grow my business because in the Amware fulfillment, we're all about growth. You know, we, we, we make growth happen. We're never a barrier. We're never an impediment. Those could be the risks, again, in dealing with the wrong third party provider. They don't have the resources. They're not big enough. They're not familiar enough with your line of work that they can really help you. We all say we can do it, but not everybody can do it. Okay, so I, that, that leads me to my next question. How would you choose a 3PL? What questions do you need to ask? Uh, first, first questions you need to ask is, 
who else do you do it for like me? Who in my business and my field? What other nutraceuticals do you? What other customers? Where do you do it out of? How big are they? So you really want to find out if the third party has expertise in your particular brand. If, if you're if you're shipping perfume, if you're sh shipping drugs, if you're shipping foodstuffs, if you're shipping uh, refrigerated foodstuffs, who else do you do it for? And then once you're comfortable that they have the expertise uh, and they know your business well, now it's really a matter of culture. You know, what's the philosophy of a 3PL? How do you go to market? You know, tell us how you, you know, just tell us how you manage your business. How do you, how do you vet your employees? How do you train your people? What do you do to keep them happy? Because listen, happy employees at the end of the day do a better job. So you're going to want to make sure culturally there's a good fit that the philosophy of the 3PL is not a zero sum game. You know, we're making money at your expense. We both have to win in this environment. So you have to find 3PLs that truly, truly believe in a win-win environment. And I would tell you one of the most important things is how important and how big a fish are you to this to this 3PL? So if you're going into a 3PL, that's $2 billion. They're really huge. They're, they have all the resources in the world, but you're a, you're a $4 million customer to them. You know, think about that as opposed to, am I going to have access to the leadership team? Am I going to be able to call Harry, the CEO? Am I going to have his phone number? And if I call him, is he really going to answer? Now, that's important. We sell everybody on our leadership team is accessible to all my uh, all my customers. We'll return every call every day uh, to a customer if they need it. The kind of, kind of and, and and why do you want that? Listen, everybody wants to know the leadership. Everybody wants to talk to the top guy. I mean, if you've ever had a problem with a big corporation, try getting the CEO on the phone. Try getting someone who really cares. There's this kind of concern. Do these people really care about me? We sell the fact that we're going to sit down with all of our customers on a quarterly basis. Someone from the leadership team, myself, or someone working for me will attend all those quarterly business reviews. They'll be a part of your business. They'll know your business. You'll be connected to my business through leadership, not just to the day-to-day -day operating people. And I think that's very important. I know when I have a problem, I want to go to someone who I know not only can help me or is willing to help me, but has the authority to do it. My customers have access to everybody on the leadership team. And the types of calls we get are not, hey, I'm having a problem with a facility. Type of calls I get is, Harry, I've got a big promotion coming up in six weeks. I really, really need to make sure that the facility has all the resources they need because we think it's going to be big. I just want you to look over their shoulder, just make sure they're comfortable with it. And I would feel better for that. So that's you know, that's the advantage of being able to call someone in an authoritative position. Again, it's not to complain. It's not because the facility is not responsive. They always are. But it gives you a little bit of peace of mind when something important to your organization is coming down the pike. Okay. So I think you've got some general kind of um, advice on saving money with fulfillment. You got any, any tips for us? Uh, well, I, well, the first thing, the, the so... Uh, Fulfillment is uh, the cost structure for fulfillment is about 30% warehousing services cost and about 70% transportation or parcel cost, right? So the bulk of your spend is going to be in parcel. So packaging is important. Box size is important. Uh, weights are important. And then rates are obviously important. The other thing that's very critical about parcel to reduce your cost is are you shipping from one central point or can you put your product in multiple warehouses? You know, at Amware, we're in all the major markets. We can get we can get product very close to customer. For most of my customer, two or three facilities is going to do a couple of things. It's going to get them closer to their customer. It's going to get them reduced rates 
for shipping, not just reduced rates because I have better rates, but reduced rates because they're shipping from points closer, not from one central point. They're going to get faster delivery time because they're in multiple points. So things like that, dealing with a third-party provider that has multiple nodes, not just one, not just located in one part of the country, is very, very helpful. And then, you know, you, you know, you're going to want to look for a third-party provider that isn't labor-intensive. So in other words, when my business grows twice as much, Harry's going to add twice as many people. So what technology uh, uh, is my third-party provider uh, taking advantage of? At Amware, we're in the process now of implementing, you know, 25 robots throughout our, our business. Uh, they cut down. Robots take the place of people walking in a warehouse. Very important. They don't do the picking. They don't do the packing. But what they do in a warehouse is they do the actual movement of the product. 50% of my cost for employees inside of a warehouse is just done walking and traveling, going from A to B, back and forth. Robots can take the product, can take the empty containers to a, per a picker. They just stay in one location. When the, when the picker is done with the robot, the robot will now take that product uh, to a to a pack station, robots don't get sick. They don't call. They don't need vacation. They don't need downtime uh, other than at night to recharge their battery. So you go on to look at technology, robotics. Um, you know what kind of a a, a power uh, business tools do they use? We have all sorts of reports that we're able to give our customers any way they want to see their business. We can tell them. We can show them where where all their costs are. Uh, and then they can manage their business uh, uh, effectively to help us reduce costs. So really for us, it's parcel, it's technology, uh, and it's really about the ability to expand again without having to add people every time you expand because labor is becoming more expensive and it's becoming much more difficult to have. And when I was a kid growing up, uh, going to work, you didn't change jobs. If you change jobs, employers would frown down on that. Today, it's 180 from that. If you haven't changed jobs in the last three or four years, somebody thinks there's something wrong with you. Why are you staying with one job? It's it, That's the reality of the marketplace today. Now, mm -hmm. it's costly. So, you know, we do, we have programs. We treat our employees like family. Uh, they love coming to work for us and we listen. More importantly, we spend a lot of time with our associates at roundtables. Uh, there's a lot of recognition for people, uh, you know. And, and again, as I mentioned earlier, when you have happy employees, you're going to have more productive employees. They're going to want to do a better job for you. They're not going to come to work with a chip on the shoulder or be angry at the company or customers. I and mean, those are the realities of, of the marketplace today. That's what that's what everybody deals with. Another reason to outsource. Okay. So what are the, you mentioned robots. What are the, uh, innovations are there in fulfillment? Uh, so well, there's, today there's, uh, there's all sorts of mechanization uh, and things uh, that used to be done by people that are wrote uh, that now uh, we're using automation for. For instance, um, we do we do uh, 15 million shipments a year, right? Somebody's those 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 the corrugated that the the boxes that the, the shipping boxes they come flat, they come knocked down. You can't ship a, a box erected; It'll, you'll go broke doing that. You won't get anything in. So corrugated comes knocked down. We used to have people do nothing but make boxes. That's expensive, it's slow. We now have equipment that makes boxes for us. So facilities now have carton makers for them, so we don't have to have people do that. Uh, so, do they then, make, so they make a, they, is it literally a flat packs box that they kind of pop up or they literally make a box to size? They, they, either one, you have, you have, you have uh, mechanisms today that can custom make, uh, that can custom make boxes. You can have tuck flaps. There's all sorts of different attachments that go to uh, carton makers. So uh, virtually everything associated with boxes now has been automated. 
It's just an investment in, in the equipment. And again, most facilities only need one or two cart directors. And those would probably displace four to five people full-time basis just making cartons. It's, it's not a value add. Um, so why have people do it? And it's not it's not a fun job. It's, you know, it's incredibly, uh, just incredibly repetitive. And really, machines do it faster, better, more efficiently. We have conveyors today. There's a lot of conveyance that we use. Uh, so we're not pushing product around in the warehouse. We have things like automatic tapers so that every time a box gets taped, it's professional, it's clean, it's done by a machine. It, I, I, I equate that to, to car making in the 1950s when you saw the old assembly line and people were doing welds. Uh, and if you had a good welder, you'd have a nice seam and it would be finished nicely. And if you didn't have such a good welder, you could actually see the seam or the weld spots. Taping is the same way. You can tape boxes by hand and some will look okay, but for the most part, it'll look like it got taped by hand. When you do it through a machine, uh, it's professional. It looks clean. Each one, every time is the same. Same with labeling cartons. People can label cartons. You can put the label on, slap it on, and look crooked, might not be in the right spot. We have machines that do labeling. They put the label on the same spot every time. Again, it's a professional looking package. Somebody gets it. It's kind of a wow. So you have all sorts of um, um, what, what we would call quit walls today. Uh, there's all sorts of mechanization so that people don't have to walk within a warehouse. The product gets brought to them. Uh, so, so and, and again, third-party providers, because of our scale, the number of customers that we have, we can make the investments in doing that. When you do that internally, and you know, you're shipping 30,000 30, shipments a year, 20,000 shipments a year, are you really going to make the investments uh, that you should be making? Because the paybacks, when you're small, take years. Uh, and sometimes you don't get those paybacks. So again, another reason to outsource where the efficiencies are. Okay, cool. And um, I've got a final question for you. Um, what do you What do you do when you're not thinking about e-commerce fulfillment? What's your What are you nerdy about? Uh, I'm a I'm a pilot. I'm a private pilot. Cool. Uh, instrument rated pilot. So I like to spend a lot of time in the sky flying. I've done that for forty years, and uh, that's my passion and that's my hobby when I'm not at work. So do you do uh, Do you do loop the loops and things? I you know what I I, I no I'm not. Uh, <laughs> I'm not uh, I'm not into aerobatics. For me, flying needs to be a, a relaxation. I don't need the stress of competitive flying. I flew gliders uh, for 15 years, motorless flight. Um, that was fun. That was a break. Uh, but but flying, flying and, and my business have a lot in common. They both require a lot of planning, a lot of thought, um, a and, checklist. and a lot of safety. Well, a checklist, presumably. Okay. So I said a lot of checklists. A lot of checklists. Yes, I've had some friends in the flying industry. I don't have any more checklists. Or checklists and consistency are all about what flying safety is, and the business is no different. It's all about consistency. It's all about doing it the same way and training people to do it. Right? You know, when you get on an airplane in the morning, there's no good feeling about the pilot up front doing his own personal checklist. You want that guy doing it the same way as fifty thousand other pilots are doing it that way, so that they don't make mistakes. Uh, our business is the same way. We want to make sure that associates don't take shortcuts, don't take it upon themselves to do it, that they're using checklists that we provide for their job. Excellent. Harry, this has been fascinating. Thanks very much for sharing your insights. Trevor, it's uh, my pleasure. Let's do it again. Okay, bye-bye.